Ladies and gentlemen, fellas, 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 welcome back to the channel and the podcast. I appreciate y'all being here today. And today, as we're, I don't know, what, a month away, not even right now from the NFL season, it has already been set in stone. It's official as of this recording. I'm very excited. Let's look at some early round values. And it depends on how many rounds are in your draft. If you're still only playing with 12 or 14 rounds, I would advise you to add a bunch of rounds, get to 18 to 22 rounds. You want to dominate your draft. There's no better time to dominate your draft than right now, right now in in August, middle of August, while some of your guys and your league mates, if you're drafting now or if you're about to draft, really don't know half the players in the player pool. Once you get past like round 12 or 14, that's where your advantage comes in. That's where my Supreme Draft Guide can help you out. That's where this catalog of a bunch of 2020 fantasy football playlists that I've added on YouTube and in the podcast can help you out. So be sure to take advantage of all that. But I want to go through the first five five rounds today and identify one player that I think is a value based on where I have them ranked in my rankings based on ADP where people are taking them. There's going to be five guys. The first one is, is on the screen behind you, but we're going to go in order, right? Round one of ADP, round two, three, four, five, and I'm going to select the guy that I have above that. Now, my spot for that guy might be in round two, even though he's getting taken in round third. That's obviously a value, obviously a guy that you should be snatching up, at least based on my opinion and my rankings. So I hope you're all having a fantastic day. These profiles behind me are on my website, Fantasy Sports Focus. They're a part of the Supreme Draft Guide for 2020. There's already a bunch of people in there. I'm getting positive feedback on all of them. I continue to add players' profiles as people say, hey, where's this guy? Uh, right now, we have a bunch of all the rookies that were drafted from positional standpoints, a bunch of running backs, wide receivers. All the tiers and rankings are up there, top 150 to easily be accessible for you during your draft key stats, all those things, and these player profiles. You can find out how to take advantage of it, get ahead of your league mates. The best way to be prepared for a draft is to be informed. And the easiest way to be informed is to just leech off of somebody else's information. But that's what the Supreme Draft Guide is going to be. It's something that I put together for myself, for my drafts, but really for the community here over this past uh, three, four, five, six months. I do appreciate all of you who have already signed up for it. And you can check it out, more information on how to get it for just $10. Thanks to the sponsor of this video, the great Monkey Knife Fight. You should be able to check them out as well, just anyways. But yeah, check it all out, linked down below. And be sure before we get into this before we start with the man on the screen behind me who's my if you're watching on the video you already know but joe mixon if you're listening on the podcast who's going to be my first guy that we talk about please do hit that like button and the big old subscribe button is popping up that might pop up one or two more times during the video bottom right hand corner takes just a couple of seconds of your time and it really does help me grow this audience it has been helping over the last month or two as more people are finding my nfl videos right so this month is going to be huge of august of really exploding and hitting another level with my content and that's all thanks to you guys each person that likes and subscribes within the video probably allows it to reach like another five or ten more people so thank you for advancing that i really do appreciate it you can find out anything else free giveaways and stuff like that down below in the description let's start off with joe mixon who is currently going 11th overall so he's going as a first round pick right that's what we're talking about him in the first round the end of the first round but I currently have him as my sixth overall player so I currently have him at worst a mid first round pick now this is not a huge gap it's a five pick difference but in my opinion it is and it's because the way that my rankings are set out it's to go running back heavy to start your draft and all the zero RB truthers are out there my stances are already out there on zero RB it was good a couple years back and right now it's just not the same when guys coming out of the draft are going to be going into some featured roles right away and they automatically are going to be like top four round picks and you have to spend capital there and just it's not the same situation as it was as it once was with so many back by committees and the way that the running back is used today, especially when you factor in, just look at DraftKings, Daily Fantasy Sports, pass catching running backs. The reason why pass catching running backs and DFS has changed so much, playing three running backs in your flex, if you're talking about DFS, is because of the pass catching running back, their dual skill set. Now it's just such an advantage to be having these running backs in your lineups. And now you're not going to want to roster them for your season long leagues because you want to go with a different approach that is good in really big tournaments. But for many of you watching this, you're probably facing, I don't know, seven to like 13 other people in your leagues, or maybe you have a 20 league draft and 19 other people. Even then, it's not 
not a big enough tournament or a big enough league for you to take on such a risky approach of going zero RB, not drafting a running back for the first four or five rounds. So Joe Mixon for me is a top six pick. He's one of the rare guys in this league that you look at and you say, okay, an improving offense, check, check the box there. Number one overall pick is a quarterback. We'll see how the offseason trends there to a, a just full backfield of his work, right? He's going to be having everything. You look last year and everything started to click for him. Giovanni Bernard, they gave an extension to at the beginning of last year, and he was one of the worst running backs in the league last year. Just absolutely brutal. He ended up going for um, 53 touches overall on the ground for 170 carries, one of the worst true yards per carry from Giovanni Bernard, who signed that two-year extension for $9.7 million. And they said, Giovanni Bernard, we know you and a lot of you watching this, you kind of remember him as like a satellite back guy who catches passes. Second half of the year last year, they said, oh no, that is not who this man is going to be anymore. We're going to give all that work to Joe Mixon. After their week nine bye, Joe Mixon went from seeing in the receiving game routes run 16 to 23. So he added about seven routes in the receiving game and he ended up seeing a percentage of targets from seven to about eight and a half. But when you're looking at his overall touches, they went from 15 to 24th, 26th in the league to third most in the league. And that's because his pass catching will increase his overall volume on the ground increase. He went from 54 yards per game overall to 124. Again, that's because his passing game role increased as well. 10 fantasy points to 18.2. So this guy, the second half of last year was starting to take off. And that's because of his evaded tackles numbers. You can see right here on the screen. If I zoom in on his 2019 stats, he was number one in evaded tackles. And he really started to pile it on in a lot of categories, finished top five in carries. He had 17.4 attempts per game. And that was with the first half, not getting a ton of work overall. The main issue was the last point here, 31st ranked run blocking unit. They didn't do a ton to fix it. Now they're going to get Jonah Williams back. Somebody who was on the offensive line. They were looking forward to having younger player who was injured all of last year. The offensive line slightly improved as the season went on, but still a bad offensive line. So you're hoping now that just one, they're going to have better quarterback playing, better overall playing offense. And two, Jonah Williams and a younger offensive line can take a step forward. But he didn't even need it last year because he was number one in evaded tackles. He did all of this behind the second worst offensive line. Imagine if it improves just this much. He's going to have this type of production potentially if he stays healthy as his floor. I'm very high on Joe Mixon. I mean, you can see just some of the things that they did over the offseason. Nothing to really threaten Joe Mixon. It's just still Giovanni Bernard behind him. They like guys in Rodney Anderson and Travion Williams, but those guys haven't even touched the field. The holdout risk for Joe, Joe Mixon, I don't think it's there. He's not going to ask for a ton of money. I don't think it's there for any, any of these running backs, especially after just the new rules were put into place because of COVID where if you don't play, you don't get paid at all now, any player, right? So it makes it even more difficult for you not to want to uh, sit out, especially when your guys like Alvin Cook or second round picks, right? You, you don't have the exact same capital, Joe Mixon, when you're going in later rounds, you're just getting less paychecks on your rookie deal overall. So it's going to be even harder. So the durability, he's missed four games in his career. He actually missed two games in 2018 with a knee surgery that he was supposed to miss like four to six weeks from. So if anything, I guess you can argue he comes back quicker than he can, or at least he trains better, his body set up, just maybe luck in, in some ways, a concussion in 2017. So nothing major there. I look at Joe Mixon as one of the premier workhorse backs in this league behind a shaky offensive line, but still able to produce because of his dual eligibility and his dual threat ability. You look at Dalvin Cook last year, shaky offensive line, because of the fact that he added a weapon of catching 50 passes in 14 games, he ended up popping off. I think Joe Mixon has that ability last year, catching 35 passes, but really not being used in the receiving game as much until the second half of the season. And to just close it up on the backfield competition and, and really why I like him as a mid to high end first round pick instead of a late first round pick and sometimes falling into the second round. If you're getting Joe Mixon in the second round of your drafts, you're really starting off good, especially if you go back to back running backs. But here's just the guys. I mean, Cincinnati does like Trevion Williams. He's going to be somebody who was hurt last year. Rodney Anderson has been kind of buried on the step chart, but they like those younger guys. And I think those guys can actually start to take the torch from Giovanni Bernard this year. Even though Bernard signed a two year deal for 9.7 million at the beginning of last year, he's on the final year of that deal. It's not all guaranteed. So they can start to see what they have in some of these younger backs and Trevion Williams and Rodney Anderson. But that's mainly as a backup job. I think that Joe Mixon firmly has the goal line work, most of the pass catching ability and pretty much 18 to 22 touch upside a game. And if this offense is in the red zone more because of Joe Burrow, AJ Green coming back, maybe T Higgins has a role on this team, John Ross being healthy for the whole season and Tyler Boyd not having to operate as a 
number one receiver, but back in his traditional role where he really uh, started to explode as a number two receiver alongside AJ Green two years back. Well, then yes, this offense is going to be in the red zone a lot, and Joe Mixon is going to surely benefit. I have him five spots above consensus right now, and if you're following my rankings, you're going to get a lot more Joe Mixon this year than other guys. You're going to be taking Joe Mixon ahead of Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams, Julio Jones, Derek Henry, those types of names in PPR formats, and I do feel very confident in that. The second man we will talk about today is one Nick Chubb, and Nick Chubb's currently going 17th overall in PPR formats. 17th overall. I mean, he's pushing midway through the second round of drafts. Absolute steal once again if you're getting Nick Chubb at that spot. I have him as my ninth overall player. I have Nick Chubb as the back of the first round pick, and again, it's because he's a running back and I favor running backs more. Right now, I have Nick Chubb ahead of a lot of guys, ahead of Devontae Adams, Julio Jones, Tyree Kill, these types of names. One spot ahead of Miles Sanders, ahead of Josh Jacobs, these types of names, right? When you look at it, only Michael Thomas is the only, the only non-running back I have ahead of him. I believe I have Michael Thomas eighth overall, so one spot ahead of Nick Chubb. He might be seventh overall if we go back and check. Derrick Henry is somewhere in there as well. But Nick Chubb, I get why the concerns are there. Kevin Stefanski's coming in, but you saw last year, which is a positive for Nick Chubb, in my opinion. They ran the rock a ton with a guy in Dalvin Cook, but you saw last year, Kareem Hunt, and people want to look at the last six to seven weeks of the season, and I completely understand when Kareem Hunt starts to pop off a little bit in the receiving game, Nick Chubb doesn't catch any passes, and Nick Chubb finishes as like the 23rd overall running back in PPR formats for the second half last six weeks of the season last year, and I'd be concerned about that, but what I'm not concerned about is the fact that he still carried the ball 298 times, third in the league, only behind the guy who led the league in rushes with only like five or six more attempts and Derrick Henry. And then also you had Ezekiel Elliott who had like three or four more carries than Nick Chubb last year. And Nick Chubb only had 36 receptions. If Kareem Hunt is healthy, you're probably not going to see that number. You're probably going to see closer to like 20, 25 receptions. But in my opinion, that's okay if you have Nick Chubb going out there with Kevin Scafanti's run first offense that he ran in Minnesota. And you can say that it was the head coach in Minnesota who influenced it. I guess we'll get, we'll get to see. But what really helped Minnesota was play action passing. And what's probably the best skill set of Baker Mayfield is play action passing. How do you set that up with the run? Two tight end sets. They have two tight ends as of right now to actually implement that. Even if David Njoku was to leave, they still have a rookie tight end that they would probably put on the field a decent amount. So I feel pretty good that this team wants to run the ball a lot, be more efficient passing, very similar to Tennessee with Ryan Tannehill, very similar to Kirk Cousins in Minnesota. Those quarterbacks still were fine for fantasy. They still played well, but they were just more efficient. They didn't need as many pass attempts like a Jameis Winston, like a Matt Ryan to get up to where they ended up producing at high levels. They can just do it on efficiency standpoints, get more yards per attempt, get more touchdown percentage, those types of things like Tannehill, like Kirk Cousins have done, like Russ Wilson has done his entire career. And if that's the case, the running backs are going to get more volume and they're going to get even more opportunities in the red zone. And when I look at Nick Chubb last year, having 298 carries, and if you're going to factor in his receptions being around 20 or 25 this year, I do think he pushes for a 300 touch season again on the ground. I do think he pushes for 325 total touches when you factor in his receiving game. And that's still very good. Yes. The fact that he's going to lose some pass catching work and most of it now to Kareem Hunt and Hunt pushes for maybe 55 to 65 receptions this year and Chubb stuck around 20. That's obviously not ideal, but Nick Chubb would be a top three, top four pick if indeed there was no Kareem Hunt back there. It doesn't drop him to the 17th overall pick because he loses 20 catches this year. No, if he's going to increase his ability to actually score touchdowns on the ground, he only had eight last year due for regression there based on how many touches he had inside the 10 yard line relative to other players in the league like Saquon, Zeke, Dalvin Cook. His touchdowns are actually expected to go up this year based on the opportunities he had if he sees those same opportunities. I mean, he was number two in rushing behind Derrick Henry last year. This is, in my opinion, one of the five most talented running backs in the league. Borderline like number five with Aaron Jones. Like those are guys who they might not stand out as top five running backs in fantasy because of their situation, but just pure 
pure talent. Yes, he's up there with that. They're not going to take the rock away from a guy who touched the ball 300 times in the ground last year. Number one in 15 plus yard runs had 52 red zone attempts, which was fifth most in the league as I zoom in. Number two in evaded tackles behind Joe Mixon. Number two in yards created. When you can evade tackles and create yards like Joe Mixon and Nick Chubb, you're independent of your offensive line at that point. You were just that good. Now, unlike Joe Mixon, where his offensive line doesn't improve that much, we'll scroll down to the team additions, which we ended up seeing this offseason from Cleveland. They added Jack Conklin, fantastic offensive lineman from Tennessee, helped Eric Henry a lot last year. And they added Dredrick Willis in the first round of the draft, a tackle out of Alabama. So these are fantastic options and fantastic players that they already added. They added some other options as well when it comes to Evan Brown, some other offensive linemen in the draft. Obviously, you can see some of the other things they did in the offseason, like adding Austin Hooper, like drafting Harrison Bryant in the fourth round amongst tight ends. So this sets up even better now. You have a head coach who potentially, and probably if I had a bet on it, is going to lean to run the ball more with two tight end sets and work in play action. That's going to help Nick Chubb in the running game, probably puts him in a situation where if this offense in general is better, the defense does look good yet again, just gave a huge contract to Miles Garrett. You're in a situation where the game script isn't heavily in favor of Nick Chubb. Kareem Hunt might catch passes, but he's not going to start going out there. As you can see last year, Kareem Hunt in his eight games, only carrying the ball 43 times, only carrying the ball about five times per game. He's not going to go out there and touch the ball 15 to 20 times on the ground. Now you saw he caught the ball 37 times. So he ended up seeing actually 10 opportunities per game. So yes, if Kareem Hunt wants to go out there and have four catches a game and four carries a game, eight touches, that's fine. It's not going to impact Nick Chubb all that much if he's out there seeing 20 touches a game on the ground and one to two receptions a game. So I'm very high on Nick Chubb still. And I know, I know why people are dropping lower on him, but you're telling me that there's a better head coach there. One going to implement an offense that favors the running game. In my opinion, you're telling me that there's a better offensive line there, which is going to buy Baker Mayfield more time where he was already very efficient play action passing last year. He can get even more efficient there last year, which opens up the passing game to move towards the red zone, which opens up more opportunities in the red zone for Nick Chubb who already saw 50 plus last year. This is a really good opportunity. I know he's going to lose on the receiving game, but you have to factor in all the positives there as well. And I think they actually outweigh that negative. So for me, Nick Chubb, still a top 10 pick in my rankings, even though he's going 17th overall. I like him a lot. If he's my first round pick and then in the second round, I can get Joe Mixon maybe or two of these guys. I mean, you're starting off really great at that point. You're running really good in your in your uh, leagues. So Allen Robinson is the fellow that we're going to be looking at for the third round now value. I have him 20th overall. So for me, he's actually coming in as a later to mid second round pick, but he's coming in 29th overall. So I'm nine spots ahead of what the rankings are. So I value him a lot more. He's my sixth overall wide receiver right now. I love me some Allen Robinson. Let's just look at what he did last year, right? So where you're pretty much getting the difference right now of nine picks is having other guys in there that I just don't agree with being higher than him. Guys like Chris Godwin, honestly, guys like DeAndre Hopkins. Those are names that you're probably like, how do you not have them higher? I'm not trying to have everybody else's rankings and ADP in the industry. I'm trying to find edges in my projections and rankings. And Allen Robinson is one of them. I mean, I'm not putting Mike Evans ahead of Allen Robinson based on the situations that they're in. You see Allen Robinson last year being one of the best receivers in the league, 153 targets. Now, even if you don't get that this year, you just get more efficient of an offense from Nick Foles taking over. It's going to be better. 30% red zone share. This is one of the true alpha receivers in the league. I mean, when you look at his target share, it's up there with the normal years when healthy of Devontae Adams, of DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, Michael Thomas is an anomaly of his own, but those types of names is what this is up there with 150 plus targets, 30% red zone target share, right? Playing 97% of the snaps receivers. I mean, they do this still, but they don't do this in this dominant of a way. Finishing top six in receptions, top five in target share and top four in targets overall. And he was just an absolute beast last year, fifth in contested catch. And he does a lot of things very, very well. And he's doing all those things with bad quarterback play. Christian Hackenberg, when you look back in college, uh, he comes into the league with Blake Bortles. So it was a fantasy darling for the junk time points for Allen Robinson and himself, but bad in general. And then Mitch Trubisky, as you can see last year, was just an absolute nightmare. I mean, Mitch Trubisky was brutal. He ended up throwing the 12th most attempts per game because they were trailing. Their defense regressed naturally is what a number one defense does. That's what happened. So he threw 34 and a half times per game, but only 209 yards per game and 3.3% touchdown rate, 
not good. He was 27th when under pressure, 18th in true completion percentage because of a couple of really good games. But Mitch Trubisky, for the most part, was not good. He was not throwing downfield, but Allen Robinson still made do with it. Allen Robinson was still targeted a ton by Mitch Trubisky, and I expect the same thing to happen from Nick Foles because Allen Robinson is a true number one. Any other quarterback that stepped in for a week or two for an injured Trubisky or an injured Blake Bortles in the past has targeted primarily Allen Robinson, and that's not just because they were told to. It's because he has that talent of getting separation and being a contested catch artist. So the things in the offseason, nothing. Like when I'm looking at it, nothing's threatening me for Allen Robinson, right? They brought in Jimmy Graham. They brought in Cole Komet, two tight ends, right? The veteran and Jimmy Graham, Cole Komet in the draft, and they bring in Ted Ginn Jr. in free agency. In general, none of that threatens me. If anything, I'd be happy to own guys in this offense like an Anthony Miller, right? Uh, a number two wide receiver, even a Tariq Cohen who's going to catch a lot of passes because they didn't bring in a lot of target competition during the offseason. I'm not scared of a very, very old Ted Ginn. We know his job right now to run deep down the field and use his speed or what's left of it at this stage in his career. I'm not scared of Jimmy Graham, who is the stereotype for having two receptions for 22 yards over the middle of the field at tight end based on his dusty self. And then a first round or a first year tight end in Cole Komet doesn't worry me either. You have Darnell Mooney, who was taken in the fifth round. Maybe he comes on the field a little bit, but Anthony Miller would be the biggest threat to Allen Robinson. And he's a player who was already there and established coming into his third year. Anthony Miller has dealt with shoulder injuries through the first two years of his career. And we'll go over to the target competition now. The biggest piece of competition is Anthony Miller. Second half of last year, Anthony Miller was the best wide receiver on this Bears team. Yes, Allen Robinson got off to a hot start and then stayed consistent. Anthony Miller was just battling injuries with his shoulder as he has his first two years in the career and then got off to a really hot start at the end of the year. So Robinson still had a good year. It was just a really hot end of the year that Anthony Miller had that kind of projected him in the second half of the season, ended up catching 52 balls, 656 yards and two touchdowns on 85 targets. But he saw about 67% of his overall volume in production in the second half of the year. So you can obviously see a lot of things start to spike up for him. But then the rest of this, there's just no competition. Jimmy Graham at this stage in his career is not a competition at all. I mean, he ended up seeing 11.5% target share from Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, didn't even crack 450 yards last year. And then Tariq Cohen is competition, but more so just taking away opportunity from David Montgomery out of the backfield. Uh, those short passes are really not where Allen Robinson is going to be targeted, whether it is designed screens or just checkdowns from Nick Foles and or Mitch Trubisky. You're going to have Cohen. He saw 79 receptions on 104 targets last year. I think those numbers drop because I think the overall Bears offense improves. The defense stays pretty solid as it was last year, even though it regressed off of being number one. That just naturally happens. But you just get into a situation now where you're looking at it and you're saying, okay, if this team gets a little bit better on offense, stays the same, or even improves on defense, even if they drop a little bit, just the offense gets better. You probably don't have to pass as many checkdowns and play from behind with Tariq Cohen. So he probably loses some opportunity. So I think it just still helps a guy in Allen Robinson. So Robinson for me is somebody that right now I'm taking in the uh, end of, well, I really never take him at the end of the second round because you don't have to. I usually go back to back running backs, but if he's there in my third round pick, I'll look at what running backs are on the board. If there's like a Leonard Fournette, Todd Gurley still on the board, I'll snatch that third running back. But if not, I'll normally take on Robinson because for me, he's a true alpha. He's a borderline top five fantasy receiver. I have him at six overall. Before we get into the final two guys in this video, please do take a second of your time. It takes two seconds. Hit the like button. The big one allows this to reach more people. And also the really important one, big old subscribe button pops up. If you could hit that subscribe button. And the biggest thing really, if you really want to keep getting notifications of when I post videos and be ahead of the league and see, uh, I'll watch that video now or yeah, I'll watch a video later. You just hit the notification bell. It really does help as well. You can check out all these profiles that are on the Supreme Draft Guide right now. I mean, every single one of them that you're seeing and a ton more over 130 other, I think over 150 now total profiles are in there. You can get that for just $10. Thanks to monkey knife, but that's not all that's in there. There's the rankings. There's the tiers, right? There's a bunch of other stuff. There's team changes during the off season. That's con consistently updated. That's a big 
question people ask me, are your rankings and tiers updated? Yes, they're updated. I update them almost on a daily basis. I'm looking at them to see if there's any movements I have to do, obviously reacting to news. So be sure to check out all that stuff down below. I really do appreciate you all in advance. Next up is somebody's name that if you've been watching my videos, you checked out my must draft wide receivers videos. I, I just can't keep saying his name because for some reason people aren't drafting him. And I have a lot of Robert Woods at this point. He's currently going in the ADP as the 42nd overall pick. Now that's the fourth round around the end of the fourth round. I currently have him as my 33rd overall player, but you know, the 33rd overall player means that he's currently going in 12 team drafts in the third round. So I'm pretty high on Robert Woods and I've remained high on Robert Woods for a while now. So just to break down into why I'm high on Robert Woods, I mean, one, he's been a staple for a while at this point, back-to-back years of 130 plus targets. There's no Brandon Cooks this year. And now he's probably going to be in a situation where you can argue touchdown regression. Now he's never been somebody who saw a huge red zone target share, only 14%, only three touchdowns last year, never really popped off for a ton of touchdowns since being with the Rams. But in general, if you're seeing this much work and now there's no Brandon and cooks, you're probably in a situation where you're going to get a little bit more red zone targets and action in general. It's also shouldn't be understated that you saw a guy in Todd Gurley see a lot of targets in the red zone the last two years. And even last year saw a lot of touches top three in the league in red zone touches. That's why Todd Gurley scoring 14 touches last year. You take that guy out of there. Yeah, the running backs are going to replace that work. But maybe you go with a little bit more veteran presence in the red zone in your receivers and Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, thus then helping Robert Woods. But you can see last year, he finished pretty much top 10 in every department. He was second in overall yak yards after the catch. We like to see that not having to rely on your quarterback to throw you open but you can do stuff after the catch but he was sixth in route runs top eight in targets and receptions just fantastic you did get the slot usage which is elite for this type of a player of 35 percent and he ended up being just two receiving touchdowns one rushing touchdown again regression on 140 targets to see just two receiving touchdowns even if you told me he doesn't score touchdowns just having three or four touchdowns uh, is something that you're probably going to see regression go towards and then we could talk about the whole narrative about how last year they used more 12 personnel if you haven't heard it yet two tight end sets all this stuff where cooper cup kept coming off the field the last three to four weeks of the season and Robert Woods role actually increased from playing like 90% of the snaps, to like 97% of the snaps. So it kind of gave us a hint that if they want to play more two tight end sets with Gerald Everett, who was injured for a while, and somebody who's currently going overdrafted in a lot of spots, Tyler Higby, in my opinion, if they indeed play like five to 10 more percent of two tight end sets, well, then yeah, you would argue that Robert Woods would actually benefit from that because Cooper Cup would be off the field. And then the one true veteran out there, or at least a skilled player that Jared Goff trusts would be Robert Woods on the outside as he would have a rookie in Van Jefferson and then Josh Reynolds, who doesn't play usually a ton of snaps based on Brandon Cooks being there the last couple of years. So you could trust Robert Woods the most, maybe more targets, maybe more opportunities. And last year, Jared Goff co-led the league in attempts with 626 with Jameis Winston, 39.1 attempts per game. He played well in terms of fantasy points in 289.9 yards per game, 22 touchdowns. He was third in overall yards with 4,639. He really did help his Robert Woods, his Tyler Higbees, his Cooper Cups end up popping off. He finished 20th in fantasy points per game because he had some really bad weeks where he was like dead fucking last Jared Goff. And then he had some weeks where he was number one overall quarterback. So I think I'm still fine with Jared Goff in the Sean McVay offense in terms of how it affects my trust for Robert Woods as a top receiver. He's my 12th overall receiver. So he's a wide receiver one for me right now. I like him about four or five spots ahead of Cooper Cup and wide receiver rankings. In the offseason, Brandon Cooks is gone. That's a bonus for Robert Woods. Todd Gurley is gone. That's a bonus for everybody on this offense in terms of opportunities, especially in the red zone. What do they do to kind of help those guys out? They draft the Cam Akers. He'll battle it out with Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson. Van Jefferson was a wide receiver they took that can actually threaten Josh Reynolds, not so much Robert Woods, for some of those Brandon Cooks snaps. But that's about it. Nothing in free agency. They only lost some key veterans and they're bringing in rookies. And in this shortened offseason, I think that only helps the guys who are already there, like Robert Woods. Target competition, we've already hinted at it. Cooper Cup, Tyler Higby, Josh Reynolds going to be the main target. Uh, Hogs, you'll see Gerald Everett also in there as well. The second tight end on this team, or maybe even the first tight end on this team. He was a starting tight end, remember, before he got hurt last year. Tyler Higby just did go off down the stretch. He was literally probably the number one tight end. He was first in receptions, first in targets. He was second in overall yards. He had four games of 100 plus yards. So he might have Wally pipped uh, the guy in, in Gerald Everett and just took his job from him. We'll have to wait and see. And then obviously Cooper Cup was fantastic.
fantastic. Five games of 100 plus yards, ranked fourth. He went for over 1,150 yards, double digit touchdowns. Only one of, I believe, three players in the league to score double digit touchdowns. It was him, Travis Kelsey, and the other name at this point is escaping me. But yes, a very good wide receiver out there. So there will be competition. But if Jared Goff is going to throw 600 times again or 580 times, that competition kind of gets dwindled because both of these guys can go exist like they did last year. So yes, if you're looking at this right now and you're saying that, oh my God, Robert Woods is usually going at the end of the fourth round, that's fantastic. Like if you're having an early fourth round pick, you snag your three running backs. Robert Woods is your wide receiver one. I like that. Maybe you've drafted all the players that I'm talking about. Joe Mixon, Nick Chubb, Allen Robinson, and Robert Woods. Based on how this is going right now, that's a very realistic outcome. It's not the average outcome, but based on where these guys are falling, you can get Joe Mixon at the end of the first round. You can get right now Nick Chubb in the second round if you have that quick turnaround pick and then another turnaround pick at Allen Robinson and Robert Woods. I would probably rather a third running back somewhere in there, but I think that's a really strong start. Let's get into our fifth option right now. Fifth and final option, second year running back who was taken in like the third or fourth round. I took him in some spots last year and it ended up being dusty right from the get-go that first Thursday night game against the Packers where he saw like six touches. Not good. David Montgomery, but he's currently going 55th overall. 55th overall. So he's currently going like, I don't know, towards the middle to end, closer to the end, right around middle actually of that fifth round. I currently have him as my 41st overall player. I actually have him one spot ahead of Robert Woods in my top 150. So obviously I'm a couple rounds higher on David Montgomery. So I'm fine where I currently have him ranked right now saying that you could take David Montgomery as a fourth round pick midway through and feel good about that. He could be your RB2 or your RB3, depending on how you're going about this. Or if you want to really go zero RB, your RB1, but I don't think that's a good strategy. He can actually be that type of a player for you. And I feel confident. And I think you probably should, but right now you can get him in the fifth round. So you might as well wait if you really want to take the risk, get him at the beginning of the fifth round, because he's an absolute steal at that point, in my opinion. I mean, yes, last year sucked and Tariq Cohen caught a lot of passes and saw a lot of targets, but Tariq Cohen was really inefficient last year. And this defense regressed off of being number one, like I've hinted at with Allen Robinson. So two bears on this list right now. And also their offense should improve just based on the fact that Anthony Miller is going to be healthy. He started popping off last year. You always have Allen Robinson and Nick Foles, we're hoping will improve this offense just a little bit. Because last year as a rookie, he ended up seeing a workhorse load of 267 total touches, 242 on the ground. He was just wildly inefficient. Just 3.5 yards per carry was 56 in the league. He ended up being 13th in evaded tackles, which was his big selling point out of college, but he did nothing after those ranking 53rd in yards after contact and 60th in yards created. Not good. But another positive, he got a ton of volume and he ended up seeing 88% of the touches inside the five for this team on the ground and 65% of the red zone touches. That is very, very good. Now this was a average-ish kind of offensive line last year, ranking 20th in passing and run blocking. We'll see what happens this year. They didn't really do anything to improve it through the draft or really through free agency all that much. This is the biggest piece that I want to talk about. You ended up seeing the Bears, and this is from Kyle Yates on Twitter. You ended up seeing the Bears rush about 468 times in 2018 when they had a good overall defense. Mitch Trubisky was decent, running a little bit more than he did last year. They said there were some injuries around that. But basically what happened was the offense was not as bad as it was last year, and the defense was the best in the league. And what you get there is positive game scripts, meaning that you're leading or you're in ties, so you could actually run more. You don't have to play from behind and throw. Last year, they only ran the ball 395 times because they were one of the worst offenses in the league, and their defense naturally got worse from being the best in the league to like the eighth best in the league, right? That normally happens. You drop on average six or seven spots in your overall rankings when you're number one the year before. So that's 73 rushing attempts that were lost last year. And those are going to affect David Montgomery, not Tariq Cohen. So Tariq Cohen ended up seeing a lot of receptions and over hundred targets last year because they were trailing. So they threw more. So even if this offense gets a little bit better and the defense stays the same or improves a little bit, which I expect it to be somewhere around the top 10 defense still, you're looking at a situation where David Montgomery can see an extra 25 to 30 touches, right? And that's just based on the fact that naturally they'll run a little bit more compared 
compared to last year. So if you're seeing David Montgomery carry the ball this year and a year last year where he got 242 touches, even though his team sucked and they didn't run all that often, if you're looking at him this year ending up going out there and getting 270 touches on the ground, 275, he gets his 25 receptions again, and he's going to be pushing a 300 touchback. And I think that's a very realistic outcome. And you're getting him in the end of the fourth, beginning of the fifth round. Yes, I want to be jumping all over that before somebody else takes advantage of that. In the offseason, they did nothing to threaten David Montgomery's role, which based on the NFL draft being over and done with, that says, okay, we believe in our second year player that we took pretty high last year because they didn't do anything. Same exact player chart you're looking at from the Allen Robinson, nothing at all. They added a couple tight ends via the draft and free agency. And that's about it. Some offensive linemen later on and Jason Spriggs and Hermaine Effendi, nobody to really jump up and down about. Honestly, nobody that's really that great. That's about it. A similar offensive line to last year, just a situation where the offense can potentially get better with Nick Foles under center. And if that's the case, now you're looking at David Montgomery getting another 25 or so touches this year. What's fine as a receiver last year as well, that you started to use him a little bit later on, but I'm not expecting big things there. In the backfield competition, there is none. If in fact they throw less this year, it's going to impact Tariq Cohen's overall volume. A guy who saw top 10 receiving yards, eighth in route run, and four and receptions amongst running backs with 79 last year. But as you can see, he only carried the ball 64 times. He was only getting like three to four touches on the ground per game. So he's no threat there. It's just all about the game flow. If they're trailing, Cohen's going to be on the field more to catch passes. If they're not, David Montgomery's going to see an even larger workload. After that, it's just Ryan Nall and Artavius Pierce. Ryan Nall has two games, 3.4% of the snaps, had two carries for eight yards last year. So no threat in this backfield. You're getting a workhorse back who does have, I mean, not big pass catching upside, but he has 30 catch upside in my opinion. And you're getting that player now, especially if he's on the field more, you can definitely score or have 30 receptions. Last year was taken off a lot because they were trailing. So if you're in a situation now where you're going to be getting, uh, I don't know, close to 300 total touches, in the fifth round of your drafts, I'm taking them at the end of the fourth round, beginning of the fifth in a lot of drafts. If I can start my draft off, if you draft this exact team that we're looking at right now, you should be feeling pretty good in my opinion. Joe Mixon, Nick Chubb, Allen Robinson, Robert Woods, and David Montgomery. That's probably not my most ideal start, but that's a really good start if you're just drafting drafting based off of value. And you can tack those middle and later rounds with high upside picks, which again, we have some breakout wide receiver, breakout running back videos, breakout players in general videos that have kind of come out around the same time as this one. So be sure to check those ones out as well. So thanks for tuning in. Today, we use the Supreme Draft Guide to look at all these player profiles, which you can take advantage of looking at all of them, my rankings, all those types of things, premium content as well, stats, tiers, top 150s, team changes, a bunch of stuff is in there only for $10. Thanks to Monkey Knife Fight. Find out information on that. Just a link down below right in the description. You can check that out. And before you go, if you watch this whole video, let me know in the comment section so I can thank you personally. Hit that like button, hit the big old subscribe button that's popping up. Thank you all for tuning in. Notification bell before you go. Notification gang, gang, gang. Let me know in the comments when you come into these new videos with that notification gang on. And I'll see you all in the next one.